0: Well good morning everybody. Thank you for being here. This morning we're going to start off with a quick recap of where Pastor Dave was last week and we're going to go a little further into John chapter 1. Now as we do that, the overall point that we're going to be looking at, this is what we're talk about this morning, is people getting to know Jesus Christ. Getting to know Jesus. People getting to meet Jesus. Now if you think about that on the on the surface, that sounds like a Cool thing, right? Getting to meet Jesus. You ever seen a picture of Jesus? Looks like a nice guy, right? It's like a cool guy. It'd be great. Who wouldn't want to meet Jesus, right? But let's be honest. What we're really talking about is more than meeting him. We're talking about entrusting our lives to him. Right? What we're doing is we're talking about when our life comes to an end. We're on our deathbed. Who are we going to be reaching out for? Who are we going to reach to with our hopes, our fears? the ups and downs of life. And that's really what we're talking about. And that that's a that's a heavy topic. It is a big topic. And in truth, you know, being a pastor, I have a lot of conversations with people, people who believe, people that don't. And not everybody wants to have those conversations. Some people are like, none, a little too heavy. Not right now. I'm okay. I'm good. Now, on the other hand, this is great, is when some people come to meet Jesus and they come to know him, they immediately they're just ecstatic, right? And they go running straight for the cross. Some people, their joy starts small, and then it slowly builds and builds and builds. Other people, after they come to know Jesus, they're on fire one day, and the next day, they just kind of slowly drift away. you guys seen that before? It happens, right? People have different reactions. People have different motivations for wanting to meet Jesus, different problems in their life that they're looking to solve. So the idea of meeting Jesus, it's really, it's an important thing. It's probably the the most important thing in our lives. And thankfully, we have the Bible to help us. Now, today, as we look at John chapter one, we're gonna start in verse 19. If you have your Bible with you, go there. If you have your phone or iPad, please feel free to, that's where I do most of my Bible reading. Now, what's so great about the Bible is not only does it give us the word of God, but we also, this is what I love about it, we get to actually read about people's interactions with Jesus for the first time. When they see him, Right When they first walk face-to-face with him, what do they say? What does he say? Right, And in those interactions, we get to learn more about Jesus as well. We can see how he reacts to them, what they say, what their general experience is. And so that's what's so special about what we're going to read today. So again, open up your Bibles to John chapter 1. Let's start at verse 19. I want to start here because in the next few verses, what we're going to see is there are people that are searching for the Messiah, searching for Jesus. They're trying to find out who he is. And we're going to see them ask a man named John the Baptist. They're going to say, are you him? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one? And again, they do this because they're looking for the Messiah. They want to meet him. And if John wasn't the Messiah, well, well, what are you doing? Why are you here? Who told you to do what you're doing? And let's be honest, those are decent questions, right? Those aren't bad questions at all. So let's jump right in and let's look at this interaction between John the Baptist and some priests and Levites, verses 19 and 20. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests priests and Levites to ask him who he was. And he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. So the first part tells us the religious leaders in Jerusalem, which is the, the big city, it's the show, it's where everything happens. They know of John, but they don't know John. They know some stuff's happening People are coming to him, more and more people, and so they want to know what's going on. And so it doesn't necessarily indicate they have bad motives, but they want to know. They heard a little about him. He's creating a stir, so we need to know what's going on. We also need to understand that this is not a casual discussion between people. This is a conversation between John the Baptist and the religious leaders. This is very important because if they think he's teaching the wrong stuff, claiming to be something he is not, specifically the Messiah, anybody remember what word usually gets thrown around back then? Starts with a B? Blasphemy. Everyone say that word, blasphemy. Did anything happen? No. 2,000 years ago, though, if a religious leader accused you of blasphemy, what? It's a death penalty. Capital punishment. This is a really big deal. This is not someone saying, hey, are you Methodist? No, I grew up Lutheran. No, I'm non-denomination. This is not that. These are religious leaders asking publicly, who are you, who sent you? So this could not be more serious. And we know this was serious because it says, this was John's testimony. And today, when do we give a testimony? Under oath, in court. It's very serious, right? That's what it's about. And then sometimes today we talk about giving our own testimony, how we be, what we believe, how we came to be, where we are uh, following Jesus. This is not what John is doing. John is giving evidence, testimony about a matter of fact, okay? He was asked point blank, are you the Messiah? That's a big deal. But he confessed freely. He said, I am not the Messiah. He said it openly, freely, with the conviction of someone in a very serious legal discussion are you the one? And he says, I am not. Now, what's really interesting is when he puts the emphasis on this, we weren't there. So all we can do is read. He puts emphasis on the word I, I am not the Messiah. So if I just say it like this, I'm not the Messiah, doesn't mean that much, right? But if I say, I'm not the Messiah, what do you get a hint of? He's here. Someone else is. And that's what he's doing. He's starting to open, the, pull back this curtain and indicate the Messiah is here. They don't know him yet. Now, unfortunately, the religious leaders, they don't pick up on this. And so they keep asking questions. And this is what they say in verses 21 and 22. They ask him, well, then who are you? Are you Elijah? I am not, he said. Are you the prophet? Nope, I am not. Finally, they said, they got real serious, real in his face, who are you? Give us an answer so we can take it back to Jerusalem, the people who sent us. What do you say about yourself? The point being, they don't understand who gave him this authority. What is this about, the stuff that you're teaching? And those, again, those aren't necessarily bad questions. And they're not getting it. So John gets ready to go full on preparing the way for the Messiah. This is, and this is what he says uh, in our next slide, verse 23. He says, I am the voice of one calling out in the wilderness, Make straight the way for the Lord. Now, that's heavy, right? Anybody here today talk that way? No. I mean, if someone said something like that to you, you'd be like, what? What he was doing, this was no mistake. This, wasn't, this was not a random statement. What he was doing was re- uh, referencing a passage from the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 40. They would have known this verse. This is about the coming of the Messiah, And again, this is where John really starts to pull back that curtain on what's going on here, the bigger picture, like why he's actually here. And with that verse, John is saying, I am preparing the way for the Messiah. Not for somebody that's coming 2,000 years from now. He's here. There's real work being done. And he begins to teach that through repentance and baptism, you can begin to get right with God. Now, you're not all the way right. That is not the end point. Baptism and repentance are awesome, and everybody should do them. But we only get right with God through belief in Jesus Christ, through knowing the Messiah. Amen? And this is where John is going. He wants them to know the real Jesus, really know him. And now this, as this discussion continues, the re- re- religious leaders ask him, Well, okay, why do you baptize then if you're not the Messiah? Or why if you're not Elijah? Why are you doing this? Again, good question. And John's answer pulls the curtain back even more on who the true Messiah is. He says, I baptize with water. I do that. But there's one who stands among you you don't know. He's the one who comes after me and the straps of his sandals. I'm not worthy to untie. And again, he says, I baptize with water because he's emphasizing I am a man. I use water. There's a limit to what I can do. It's just a tiny start. And how, well, how tiny? How tiny? He says, well, the one that comes after me, the Messiah, I'm not worthy to touch his shoes. This is going to sound weird, but everybody wearing shoes this morning? Right? Look at your shoes real quick. If you need to look, look at the bottom. You got dirt or fuzz on them? Normal, right? John is saying that stuff on Jesus' shoes, I'm not worthy to touch. You are, none of us are worthy. He is so far beyond what we can comprehend, that's who he is. That's how holy he is. He's emphasizing the holiness of Jesus. There's this immense gap that exists between us and him. And the story continues. It tells us that the next day, John the Baptist, he he saw Jesus walking. And so he calls out loud, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We sound, that sounds great to us, right? But remember, he, he's not telling the world how awesome Jesus is and how much, how much adulation he needs, all that stuff. He didn't even bring up the sandal thing again, right? What John is doing is he's stating for the, the first time the purpose of the Messiah. The purpose. He's saying it publicly, that Jesus was the sacrificial lamb who's going to take away sin. That's what this is about. Jesus was not sent... Just for greatness and adulation and fame here on earth, he was sent for a singular purpose, and that is to take away our sin. He was going to be the lamb that was going to do that. So this is where we come to the first big thing we need to know about Jesus Christ. To know him is to know his true purpose. You may want to write this down. His true purpose was to die on the cross to remove our sin. And without an understanding of that, you cannot really know Jesus Christ. You can't really have a relationship. If you, don't under, look, if you don't understand that you are sinful and need your sins forgiven and removed, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't understand. And John should, just took this huge step by announcing this publicly for the first time. This is it. This is the Messiah. He said, the, the reason I'm baptizing with water is so that he can be revealed. I'm just this first small step. This is what this is really about. And to affirm that this was true, because there were going to be doubters, people are going to be, whoa-blah-blah-blah. Blah. this is what he says next in verses uh, 32 to 34. He says, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove, and it remained on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And look at this, it's up here, the, big, the bottom line, I have seen, and I what? test publicly that this is God's chosen one. This is what this is about. He's not sharing his personal belief, or goodness, I hope so, because the stakes are high. He says what? This is a fact. This is God's chosen one. He's willing to put his own life on the line to assert that this is true. And remember, blasphemy is huge. It's not that big a deal today. 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, there was probably not a bigger accusation you could throw at somebody that would potentially put their life in jeopardy than that word. Why would he do that? Because Jesus is the Messiah. He's testifying this. And now the story takes an interesting turn because we saw how some of these religious leaders were asking questions of John. Who are you? Why are you here? Who gave you this authority? But you see, they never really expressed a desire to get to know Jesus Christ that's where it stopped. And this is going to bring us to our next point about knowing Jesus Christ. Number 2, knowing Jesus involves movement on your part. Now let me explain what I mean. When we come face to face with our with the reality of our situation, when we begin to realize that we're sinful, right? We we aren't living forever, right? You guys know that. Right? It's not going to happen So the question is, what do we do with that? What do we do with the fact that we're sinful? The world's sinful. We see all the stuff going on. What do we do with that? One of three three things happen when people come to that realization. Number one, and I've seen this, they pretend they don't care. They pretend they don't know. Too much other stuff going on. Too many emails. I just don't have time. Have you seen that or experienced that? Number two, People experience that. They see that. They come face to face with face to face with that, and they will try anything other than Jesus. That's why there's so many religions in the world. You ever heard of someone say, "I'm religious," "I'm, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual." I have these crystals. I do these meditations. I, I, I look at the horoscopes, I, whatever. And I'm not I'm not condemning anybody. What I'm saying is, people will try anything, and I know some people who've tried all of those things, trying to answer that one question without actually giving Jesus the chance. And the third and final option, when people really come to that realization about their sin and the world and what's going to happen when they die, they look at Jesus as the answer. And when they do that, they cannot stand still. When you realize what Jesus was sent for and what he does for us, you have to take a step forward in some way in some form. Some people, and you may have seen this, they run towards the cross. I like, right? Some people, Treat it like it's a really cold swimming pool. They just put a toe in it. Let's see how it goes. And then later I'll put the other foot in. You're laughing, but it is true though, right? And that's human nature. It's okay. Other people, other people intentionally live with their life, like if Jesus was right here at the cross, they intentionally turn their back to him. And at some point in their life, they slowly start to, maybe not turn my back to him. I'm turning sideways now. And over time, I may a little bit more. A little more. And there's, in the New Testament, it talks about one man plants a seed, another waters it. And that's what, this doesn't always happen in a week. It may, sometimes it takes years. But each instance, the distance that they travel is different, but it's still movement. And that's the point. That's the whole goal. And in every case, someone is turning closer to Jesus Christ is the point is when you experience that, you cannot not be engaged. You have to do something because the prize is Jesus. And let's be honest, none of us are perfect. We all come from different backgrounds. We have our own hopes, fears, baggage, right? Did everybody in this church right now grow up in this particular church? No. Everybody come from different denominations at some point? Everybody here born in Sebastian? No. We're from all over the place, right? So we all have a different experience when it comes to Jesus Christ. We all move at different, a different pace, and that is okay. When we experience that, we never judge anybody. We're always patient, loving, caring, and we're here to support them no matter where they are, because the whole goal is they just simply get closer to Jesus somehow, some way. Now, let's get back to our story, because this is where it starts to get good. As a few minutes ago, a few minutes ago, I stated how the story's now changing from people asking John about asking John questions. Now there are some people that are going to actually literally meet Jesus for the first time. Like, like anybody here ever met Elvis or the Beatles? Right? You ever meet somebody that's like really, really famous? He's going right. Some people are really cool. Some people are like, oh. you know, call security kind of thing, right? We get to read about people walking up to Jesus. Just walking up to him. And then what happened? What did they say? What did he say back? So the story goes that the next day, it says John the Baptist was there and some of his disciples were with him. All right, they're standing in line at like Starbucks or something. And Jesus comes walking by. He says, look, the Lamb of God, look. And it says two of his disciples, two of his own disciples left him and they just walked like they just walked right up to Jesus. Just walked up to him. How cool would that be to have that opportunity? And as, as they approach him, Jesus asked the question. He says, Well, what do you want? Now I want to put those words on the on the screen behind me. And I want to do this. I want everybody just to look at these words just for a second. Remember, this is not a couple people meeting each other for the, you know, it's not like you come to my house. I'm like, hey, this is my neighbor, John. Hey, John. That's not this. These are disciples of John the Baptist who are looking for the Messiah, and they meet him for the first time. And he says, well, what do you want? I want you to put yourself in their shoes. Everybody get this for how heavy this is? What are you going to say? What are you going to say to Jesus at that moment? You're going to say, well, uh, I want to be sanctified. I'm going to be washed clean. I'm going to be like, nah. What are you going to say? I want to be forgiven. A little revenge on my enemies. Don't answer the way you, th- you think I want you to answer. Don't, definitely don't answer the way you think Jesus wants you to answer. He's going to see right through that. And don't forget, he doesn't do anything on accident. He asked that question for a reason. He's, if anybody, I'm a fool. He's not a fool, right? Jesus asked a probing question. He wanted to know if they were just simply curious, like, hey, what's the big deal? What's Lamb of God mean? Or did they actually want to know him? And here's what's great. With Jesus, you don't have to have some really in high intellectual response to that, like something you typed out. Oh, this, will, this will make me sound like a PhD. This is why I want to. Remember, go, remember a couple of minutes ago, we said the second key to knowing Jesus Christ is simply movement towards him in some way, in some form. So your answer to his question, what do you want? It could be as simple as, I just want to be. Near you, I just want to be around you. I don't want to be where I am. I just don't want to do that anymore. It could be, help me. Remember, remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross? You know, he, he was nailed up there, and there was one person on either side of him, and one of them was kind of making fun of him, saying, so, "You know, if you're really this, you know, save yourself. You know, if you're really the guy." And the other one. He said, I deserve to be here. I deserve the death penalty for what I've done, right? I deserve this. And he looked at Jesus and says, but you don't. And then what did he say? Remember me in your kingdom. Remember me. So when Jesus says, well, what do you want? His answer was, just remember me. I don't deserve to be around you. You have no idea. I just don't. He said, remember me. What did Jesus say in response? The best, the best thing ever. Today, you'll be what? With me in paradise. See, your answer does not have to be PhD level, biblical, don't even do that. Your answer is just simply, I want to be with you. I just want to be with you. And that is a great answer. That's all it needs to be about. I don't deserve it, but that's what I want. And Jesus responds with, like he said with the disciples, well, come with me. Come with me. And he wasn't talking about, well, just come out and hang out for an afternoon, make sure you like it. He's like, no, no. Come with me. Just come with me. Yeah, just come with me. I mean, that's a level of, ooh. He invited them to do life with him. And that's how Jesus operates. It's not a part-time relationship or just something for weekends. And seriously, look closely at everything Jesus ever said. If you want, you can can get a Bible. It's called a red letter Bible where everything written in red is just the stuff Jesus said. Or you can Google it. You can find websites. Look through everything Jesus said. Does he ever say, well, just give it a shot. One for funsies. Let's try this and see how it goes. Make sure we're compatible. Does he say, I mean, even close to that. No. What does he say? Just come. Just come. One guy's like, well, no, I got to do. No, no. Just come with me. Just come with me. He's He always wants a lifelong relationship. And John the Baptist was all too happy to let his own followers go. Anybody he directed Jesus was a win. Hands down. And Jesus was inviting them for the rest of their lives. Now what happens next in the story is exactly what's supposed to happen when somebody meets Jesus face to face. This brings us to our final point in knowing Jesus Christ. The first one was knowing Jesus' purpose is to know he died for our sins. Number two involves movement. Once you know that, you have to move towards him. The third one and the final aspect is that knowing Jesus involves spreading the word. We are to spread the word so others may know. You can't know Jesus' true purpose. You can't know that, get the benefit of that, and be like, "Mm." you can't. In some way, somehow, you have to do something. And that's what we're going to see happening in the next part of our story, verses 40 to 42. I'm going to read it to you, okay? It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two. He was one of the two uh, followers of John the Baptist. And he heard John say, that's the lamb. So the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, the Christ. And then he brought him, brought his own brother to Jesus, And Jesus looked at Simon, son of John. He said, you, you're going to be called Cephas. We translate that as Peter. So Andrew, what's the first thing he does when he finds out about Jesus? He runs and grabs his brother. He goes home. He's like, bro, get up. Put your shoes on. Let's go. He's here. And Simon, his brother, goes. He believed him. They were searching for the Messiah. And Andrew brings his brother, I mean, like right to Jesus. He's like, no, right here. And Simon walks up there face to face. And notice Simon doesn't ask Jesus anything. Jesus doesn't ask Simon anything. He simply makes a declaration. You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which actually means rock. Right? Now, unfortunately, it doesn't tell us, the Bible doesn't tell us Simon's response to that. We have no idea. He was blown away if he got nervous. I've turn turned to the other disciples he goes, you heard that rock, right? I'm the rock. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm the only one that thought that when you read that. He didn't You guys didn't get a name. I did. Right? He didn't do that. But the name rock is significant. In our human brains, you know, we hear that. We think, wow, that sounds awesome. I'm like, no, no, no. This is, this is the Messiah giving you a name rock. You do not understand what's coming. This is huge. So there's no way Simon could have fully comprehended what all that meant, but we do know he trusted Jesus. He said, okay. And he went with Jesus. So he's already living up to his name. Now, the next disciple to meet Jesus is Philip. The story is extremely short. It just says that Jesus found Philip. We don't know what that means. He found him. And he said to him, Follow me. And what do you think Philip does? He goes. He follows him. Then it says, Philip found Nathanael. And he said, we found the one. We found the one Moses was talking about, the Messiah. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. And this is where I think things get a little funny. Nathanael, without thinking it through, forgetting he's about to meet Jesus, says, well, can anything good come from Nazareth? Would you think, yeah. <laughs> Have you met Jesus and you're already slamming his hometown? But it does make you wonder what kind of town Nazareth was 2,000 years ago, right? But anyway, Philip and Nathanael, they go to meet Jesus. They walk right up to him, face to face. And when they get there, Jesus says to Nathanael, well, here's an Israelite in which there's no deceit. What that means is, here's a guy who tells it like it is. He does not wear a mask. This guy is going to tell you what he thinks. And then Daniel says, well, wait, how, how, how do you know me? Because we just met. And Jesus says, well, I saw you sitting under a fig tree before Philip went and got you. He's like, what? You truly are the son of God. But now here's where Jesus makes things get more serious. And he begins to share with them this much, much bigger picture. Things are more in, in store for him that are, they just can't even comprehend. It's in verses 50 to 51. Jesus says, you believe I'm the Messiah because I told you I saw you sitting under a fig tree. And I'm gonna pause for a second. That's like down here as far as awesomeness, right? I saw you under a fig tree. You are gonna see greater things than that. He added very truly, I tell you, you are going to see heaven open. You're going to see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's talking about himself. And so what makes, what makes Jesus said so important to Nathaniel, not just to him but also to us, when Jesus says you're going to see greater things than that, he means there is so much more to come. As an example, when we come to believe in Jesus Christ, that first day when we're baptized, that is a great day, right? It's amazing. Now compare that to 20, 30, 40 years down the road of a life of following Jesus Christ. Think of all the other things, all the other people are going to be saved, all the other miracles you're going to see. And that's just a small piece. Jesus is saying, you haven't begun to see anything yet. And that's not where it ends. And this is the, this is the part that's, I wish I could have been there to see the reaction. He says, you're going to see heaven open. And you're going to see angels coming and going on me. And Jesus, what he's doing, he's, he's saying, I'm the link between heaven and earth. I am the link. I am the way. At this time, if the band would like to come up. Now, when we look back, this is what's interesting. Now, when you look back at how Jesus met each of the disciples, you're going to notice that every one of them was different. There wasn't one. He didn't go up with everyone with the same hand, jig. How are you doing? It wasn't like that. Some people approached him and they asked questions. Some people he approached and he asked questions. Some people just said, well, follow me. One guy, he changed his name, right? Called him The Rock. One guy made a joke about Jesus' hometown. But all of those differences should actually give us comfort because what that tells us is that Jesus meets people where they are. Every one of us, when we meet Jesus face-to-face is gonna have a slightly different reaction, right? Nothing is gonna, we're all different. But he knows that, he's going to be right there where we need him. He can and he will meet us where we are. His desire is simply for us to know him, to truly know him, have a relationship with him. That's, that's why these stories are in the Bible, so we can see the whole picture, see how people responded to him. So the question is, then we need to direct us and each of one of us here is, where are you in your walk with Jesus? Do you know him? Do you know of him? Like you've heard of him, sounds like a nice guy. Do you trust him with your hopes and your fears? Do you know him as your savior? See, that's what this comes down to. That's what this matters, that's why this matters. But here's the good part. No matter where you are in your relationship, if today's the first day, or if you've been doing this for decades, We are here to love you and support you. We're here to help you. We come from different backgrounds. We have ups and downs. You may have you going great and then fall back. No, Jesus is here and he can help you. And we're as a church, we love you. We're here to support you. Our goal is for everybody here to know Jesus Christ as their savior, to truly know him. Now in a minute, I'm gonna say a prayer and in this prayer, we're gonna do two things. Number one, we're going to give everybody here, if you haven't known, if you don't know Jesus, we're going to give you the opportunity to know him, to ask him into your life today. And there's no better day than today to do that. The next thing we're going to do is, if you know Jesus already, but you need a little help, you just, who doesn't want to grow a little stronger in their faith with Jesus, right? We're going to pray for us too. If you would, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, I believe in your Son, Jesus. Today I ask you to come into my life, and I want to know you. Not just know about you, but to really know you and have you know me. Today I ask you to make me new. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Help me to trust you and and lean on you with all my hopes and my fears. Lead me to a new life, the life you have planned for me. Thank you for loving me and giving me this life that I have. And today, Father, I also ask that you help make Jesus Christ the center of our lives. Help us to look at all the things that take up our time, our jobs, our money, everything, and help us to focus everything on Jesus Christ. Make him our true north, north. Make him our guiding light. Make him the only thing that matters in our lives. Father, help us to remain calm in the face of trials take away our worry, our fear and anxiety. Help us to put all the energy all our energy into pursuing you and your righteousness. Help us to be slow to act and quick to pray for you for direction. Above all, Father, whatever we do wherever you call us, may all that we do make you look good. Help us to be that light for others the ones who don't know you in the saving grace of your son Jesus Christ because that's what this is about. And all this we ask in his name. Amen.